Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. Today is January 17th, 2021. We had a nice Sunday of football. Started out with Sheffield Spurs. At least that was the first game I caught. Sheffield United, you really, really are feeling for them at this point. I I don't think they're going to survive the drop unless they're able to really put a run together of three, four games where... You know, they take maximum points or they only draw and they win the rest. That's the only way they can get themselves in the equation. There are not very many teams that look like they're going backwards at the moment. I would say Newcastle is the only one when I look around, you know, in that bottom area of teams that I I really question, will they be able to sort of survive the drop? The thing about Newcastle, though, as well, is they've got a good enough squad that if they start to get closer and closer, they might just ask Steve Bruce, bring someone else in who can give them a little bump. The problem is Sheffield United are so far behind right now that it would take something genuinely miraculous. I don't think we will have seen a a team come back from this position. Um, I I don't know if there's ever really been, you know, a situation where a team who was struggling this much, right? The season Leicester survived, it was like the great escape, but all season long, they looked good. Like, they looked like they could win games. They looked like they could score goals. They just were a leaky defense and looked inexperienced. This Sheffield United team just does not look like they have the ability to really outwit their opponents. They can outwork them potentially. And you, you saw there was a period of time in this game where it looked like they could maybe equalize. Right? They were down 2-0. They, they, they scored. It looked close and then taken away from them. Now, Harry Kane's finish for the second was really good, very clinical. But if you look at the goals that Sheffield United conceded, and I'll get to the third one in a second, but all three were really just asking for trouble. The first is a corner kick that you don't really challenge well in the air. Serge Aurier barely gets off the ground and nods at home. The other two were giveaways about 35 yards from goal in your build-out either from a bad touch, a loose touch, or just a poor pass that's not right to somebody. And then you turn it over, and then you get scored on immediately. Now, the player that deserves a lot of recognition, and I'm really hoping it's finally starting to come because I'm hearing more people talk about him, is Tangi Ndombele. I think everyone was really reticent to give him credit for this first half of the season because he was the whipping boy for Spurs all of last year. You know, people were just like, oh, Mourinho hates the guy. Mourinho just wants to get rid of him. Then Mourinho gets him out during COVID to do some extra training. And they both get sort of, uh, they get in trouble for the, just being out during lockdown. And there were people who were saying, oh, you know, this is Mourinho clearly showing how much he dislikes a player. I don't know why a coach during lockdown would go to a player's house and say, hey, Let's go train if he doesn't believe in him, if he doesn't like him. And I think we're starting to really see on a consistent basis what Tangi and Dobele is all about. And my goodness, the goal he scored today was really special. The finish was absolutely perfect. That's why the goal is so good because you can try that as much as you want. But to get the correct loop to go over the goalkeeper and for it to just land nicely in the bottom corner side netting, that was Terrific. And I'm really happy for him because he's starting to get the recognition that I think he deserves. Having been a completely permanent fixture in Mourinho's starting lineup all season, he's now starting to get 90 minutes as well. So, look, the man management by Mourinho, people were criticizing it for a long, long time, especially when it came to Tangi and Dombele. And I think you're starting to see that it's working now and that this is a player who 
Look, as a my mom's French, so I'm a big France fan. I, I'm really excited for what he can add to the team in the years to come, especially as you start to see guys like N'Golo Kante, you know, fading out and maybe getting a little older. Of course, N'Golo Kante is still brilliant, probably will be for three, four years, but he's one for the future, Tangy and Dombele. So the next game I watched was uh, Chelsea against Man United. And you're thinking, no, no, that's Liverpool against Man United. Well, no, this is Women's Super League. I watched the Chelsea ladies against the Man United ladies. This is a top-of-the-table clash. Man United were top-of-the-table at the beginning of the day. Chelsea three points back with a game in hand. And it was a great game. Chelsea looked much, much better in the first half. They looked like an overall much more solid team. Kristen Press, the U.S. international, really was, I think, the bright spark. Looked like the only one that would maybe score a goal for United. And funny enough for United, they replaced Press with... Lauren James, who, you know, at, at first I was like, why would you remove so far your most dangerous player to put on a young player who, yes, is good, but it'd be better to have them both out there. And I still I still maintain that belief because Lauren James came on and she immediately became the most dangerous source of uh, pressure and anything really valuable going forward for Man United. Now, in the first half, Chelsea took a lead from a corner kick. Um, and they're powerful. They've got a really good back line, players who are very strong in the air, very hungry. Fran Kirby, I think the way she dictated everything in the first half, the way she got in behind, and, what, what, well, it was really, really good because she kept pinning the Man United outside backs further and further back and kept getting in between the lines. She looked a lot like her performance for Chelsea – Today it was a lot like Mason Mounts yesterday, really just drifting all over the place, making things happen. She did get her goal in the end. I also want to mention um, Lauren James, who did come on for Kristen Press. So this is actually Reese James' sister. And it's amazing watching them play because they have some huge similarities. First of all, they're just general demeanor, facial expression, composure, that, that really strong focus. And, and also amazing when they, when they play, they both have this incredible body strength. They can shield people off the ball really well. Lauren James's goal today, she had Jisoo Yun on her back and made a couple steps just to sort of shake her and then put a little bit of a body at her and spun completely away from her. Went around another defender and had a beautiful curling effort in the bottom corner. And it was funny because I was like, "It's so her brother looks like the same type of player. Like They almost look like twins. Um, and yeah, Lauren James, really, really, really impressive. So anyone, look, anyone who is interested in watching the Women's Super League, Man United and Chelsea, both excellent teams. Man City today beat Aston Villa 7-0. So you, you get an idea. There are some really good players and good teams in this Women's League. I enjoy watching this game. I think from the perspective of how the game changed, because I do think Chelsea are a much better overall team. They play better. They control games for the most part better than United, at least. The The difference is, and this is something I see in in, in a, with a lot of teams that are good and that have a game plan that works and certain strategies that get them chances and goals, is that once they deviate away from that and they start to play a little sloppy, start to give the ball away, start to have just more clearances than trying to play out of the back, they very, very quickly lose grip of the game. And so I wonder sometimes if a lot of these teams in this modern day that are built to play football they, they struggle when they have to do the more just raw, efficient side of the game. 
because they lost complete control. And then all it took was one or two chances, and then all, and Man United would would score a goal. And so you can't hang on to a one nil lead if you're going to change and deviate from your style of play, which is what happened in the end. Fran Kirby scores the goal to win the game, and this was just poor defending, really. Big, big ball out from the goalkeeper, bounces twice. The two center backs get confused who should get it. Frank Kirby runs through, scores. But I, I, I do also want to mention, I think it really is valuable to watch these games. First of all, it's free. You just sign up on Atta Football and you can watch you know, women's football, top, top quality football. The major thing is uh, you know, all of the men's games I watch, because we don't have crowds, we have to hear all of the petulance. And I mean, they scream scream like someone who's just been you know mugged in an alley every time they get touched or fouled and you see zero of that in the women's game and you don't see any diving either so maybe maybe you know the pace of the game or whatever isn't for you that's fine maybe you'd prefer watching games that are in big stadiums even if they're empty or the production value maybe the commentary whatever your reason is but if you're someone who is genuinely sick and tired of the antics on the men's side and it's driving you to not want to watch football anymore Watch the women's game. It's a great outlet. Quality's still really good. All right, moving on to Liverpool Man United. This was the blockbuster game of the day for, you know, everybody all over. People have been talking it up all week. And, of course, we talk up the big games. And I'm not going to get into this idea that always when we talk them up, they fail us. Because that's not true. Sometimes big games are terrific. But something I have noticed in the last year maybe a little bit longer, is that the big games tend to be really cagey. They start out that way a lot. Um, or they start out with one team going for it, and then once the game settles down, if there isn't a goal early, or there isn't a patch of re a play where a team really gets into a groove, these games tend to cancel each other out. The teams just stalemate out and, and, and nothing happens. And it's what happened today. And sometimes I just wonder if... We on the outside have started to put so much pressure on these games to not lose that we then rob ourselves of being able to see really good games, right? I mean, Man United-Liverpool, this should be, by all accounts, a really exciting match. Even a nil-nil, you're thinking, well, there's got to be loads of chances. But really, Man United had the best chances, not very many, maybe three. And in the end, it was a kind of a boring game. It wasn't even that interesting of an encounter. It was just two teams doing the smart things, playing the correct way, taking some risks, but overall, even just the attacking panache was just completely absent. Neither team really showed something of, of genuine quality, and I didn't see a whole lot of risk-taking. And I wonder if maybe that's because we are so, so ready to jump all over a team if they lose. What if they lose well, right? They play well, they score a couple goals, but they lose 3-2. We'll just hammer their defense. So, you know, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't here. And a nil-nil draw is probably the best way to walk out of this with your, you know, with full credit, right? Both teams will be criticized for not really playing that well and not attacking that well. But in the end, everyone will just let it go. I think about the Man City Liverpool game where that Liverpool won 4-3 at Anfield a couple years ago. And that is exactly the type of football we want to see. I think, you know, Man City were down 4-0 at one point and just kept coming back and just refused to stop playing their way and just 
kept coming, started to score goals, and made it a really interesting game in the end. And I I prefer that. I think we all do. So m- maybe keep an eye on that. Um, something, a trend I think I've been noticing, that a lot of these big games, they get cagey because no one wants to lose, right? Well, I'd rather see good games than cagey affairs. Man City Palace, I touched on that one, but really I want to end with uh, Inter-Juventus. Now, this really, I think, was the biggest game of the day of the ones I watched. Chelsea-Man United in the women's league was a a top-of-the-table clash, but I do think that Man United have slightly overperformed. I think Man City are the bigger danger to Chelsea in that league, so the big, big game will come a little bit later down the line, I think. Liverpool-Man United just kind of turned out not to be that good, but Inter-Juve... It's so crucial because Juve are not really having a good season. They haven't gotten going under Pirlo this season. It hasn't. They haven't gotten into a flow. It seems like there's been selection issues throughout the whole season. I mean, Pirlo is learning on the job, so this is the way it's going to be. This game was an Antonio Conte-looking performance from Inter and the way he wants his team to dominate games. It was lung-busting running. It was speedy, quick counterattacking. Very solid bunker down defending when it needed to be. And then epically good game management. I mean, there was a period of time after Inter had their 2-0 lead where they were able to keep the ball for, you know, in a space of 10 minutes. They just kept possession for almost 80% of the time without really going anywhere. But they just took all the steam out of Juventus. Even when two substitutions come in for Juventus that are meant to change the game. It doesn't end up working out. Kulusevsky, Bernadeski, they come on. Nothing really changes. You could have told me that Cristiano Ronaldo was not playing in this game. I was watching it. I would have believed you because he did. He just was not able to get involved. Juve looked really ragged. Very few good passes of play. Passages of play where they passed the ball, got through lines. The crossing was weak. They did so many of these like long chips to try and find somebody that. that where it's a difficult ball to control, you're not going to get a handle of it. And overall, it's Barella, Bastoni, and Brozovic that were, to me, the the main, main, main contributors for Inter Milan today. Barella had an assist and a goal, really beautiful cross for an Arturo Vidal header in the first half. And then Bastoni with this unbelievable, like 60-yard, deep, deep ball, uh, Frank DeBoer style to Bergkamp in the 98 World Cup. Long ball, and Bastoni takes one touch out of his feet, another one to get the ball clear of him to be able to shoot, smashes it into the roof of the net. And then I have to give a mention to Marcelo Brozovic because his impact in the center of that midfield, I mean, he really he's one of those players that embodies the Antonio Conte ethos and style. And today he was absolutely magnificent in that in that midfield. So the three Bs: Barella, Bastoni, and Brozovic. They're my uh, they're my they're my men of the day, really, in terms of the, the best players that I really saw today. And then uh, uh, the other mentions: Stones for his double, Lauren James for just bringing this extra amazing bit of quality to that Chelsea Man United game. And overall. I'm excited for this week. I think uh, for any of you who play fantasy football, this is a double game week, so it's really exciting to see what's going to happen. Kudos to anyone who did take John Stones and put him in your team because you got mad points today. I'm a little jealous. Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. This is Campfire Football. Take it easy.